0: and welcome to the Adventure Film Podcast and this is the 7th of our 10 discussions about adventure films this one's for the 1937 film Lost Horizon a while ago I came up with 10 films that for me epitomise adventure in film, the adventure genre and the 10 films that for me really sort of scream adventure if you like then later I had the idea that we could discuss these films so that's what this is all about. So my name is Garen Ewing and I am a comic artist and writer. I've got a book called The Rainbow Orchid, which is just a great big adventure. That's that's what I wanted to do, so that's my interest in it. I just love the adventure genre in its sort of most classic format. And I'm doing this with my brother Murray Ewing.
1: Hello, I'm Murray. I write short stories, mostly horror, fantasy, science fiction.
0: Uh, So Lost Horizon is our... Did I say seventh? We're on our seventh already. Yeah.
1: Now, this is... There's
0: three in the 1930s, I think. We've done King Kong, 1933. She, which we haven't done yet, is 1935. So Lost Horizon is 1937, so it's a later one. I think she and King Kong were RKO. I think Lost Horizon's Columbia. And it's a Frank Capra film. Probably his most famous one that I know is It's a Wonderful Life. yeah. And so Lost Horizon is (coughs) based on a a novel that was written just a few years before in the year of King Kong, actually, 1933, by James Hilton.
1: Yes. Um,
0: And he is most famous for Goodbye Mr. Chips, I think, and and Lost Horizon. Yeah. But uh, Goodbye Mr. Chips is the only other thing I know
1: both Goodbye, Mr. Chips and Lost Horizon have been adapted into straight talky films and right. musicals. I wouldn't know that. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I knew Lost Horizon was a musical, uh, but I didn't know Goodbye, Mr. Chips had been a musical. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: And in fact, uh, he wrote Lost Horizon first, and then Goodbye, Mr. Chips was a bigger success, and then people started reading Lost Horizon. Oh, I see. And in fact, one of the reasons why Lost Horizon as a novel succeeded, it was brought out in paperback. It was one of the first uh, in a series called... Pocket Books. Yes. Is pocket Book Number One. Yeah. Which isn't the first um, US paperback, but it's sort of very close to it. it Popularised the paperback yeah, explosion. The yeah. yeah. Um, have you read the book? No. no. <laughs> I read the
0: book a long time ago, but the film has kind of obliterated anything I remembered of it. So this week, while drawing, I started listening to the audiobook version. Right. Um, Unabridged, of course. Yeah. Uh, I didn't quite make it. to I just got just over halfway, so <laughs> I'm, I'm half informed yeah. uh, of the book. Although I did read it a while ago. My book version that I bought, I bought it second hand, paperback, yeah. and it's got it's a tie-in with the musical from the <laughs> 1970s, 73 or 74, and it really put me off reading it because it's just it looks horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd never, I I've never been interested in the musical version, but for this, I looked up some YouTube footage of the songs and it's oh it looks abysmal it looks embarrassingly bad Mm. it's a I didn't even think of this of course it's an early 70s musical yeah so it's very much in that sort of um, it's quite hippie-ish
1: oh really that (laughs) sort
0: of um, Age of Aquarius type music which I quite like Age of Aquarius and all that kind of thing yeah but this is not up to that Standard, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's got John Gilgood. I think I don't know if he's Chang or the High Lama. I think he might be Chang actually. Yeah. And he hated it so much that he <laughs> made sure he was busy on the night of the premiere. We have to <laughs> attend it. <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, that's the musical. Um, I, I'm not sure I'll ever read that novelisation of it, just because of the cover. But yeah. I do really like the book. Yeah. And I I will probably buy myself a nicer edition. <laughs> I think so. Uh, what's the background to the film?
1: Yeah, well, it starts off right in the middle of action. It's in China, in an unspecified part of China. I think in the book it's India.
0: Well, I, it? it's in a place called Baskul. Yes. And I get from the book it's actually in Afghanistan. Ah. Um, because they're <laughs> flying from Baskul to Peshawar, which is just over the Khyber Pass. Right. It, that's, that's the sort of first main city in mm. India over the Khyber Pass. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're flying east so it's got to be Afghanistan
2: oh right yeah
0: and they mention in the book they mention they, they don't say Baskol is an Afghanistan but they do say they mention some Afghan stealing a bus and so <laughs> I think there's strong association but I think it's a fictional Basquale I, I don't think it exists yeah. Um, yeah Frank Capra's put it into China
1: and our hero is Robert Conway who's uh, a Brit yes a British man who I don't know he's some sort of uh, diplomat he's a diplomat the, uh, too, and he's, he's
0: he's pegged for the foreign office yes well, no not the foreign
1: office he's pegged he's foreign secretary foreign secretary yes yes yeah. <laughs> But we see him in a situation which demonstrates his leadership skills and his ability yes. to be a hero. Yeah. Because there's, there's a revolution going on, um, and he's got to get all the uh, the Europeans or Westerners out of this the country. The white people. Yeah, I and mean, they do... <laughs> Here's this phrase again, yeah. which we've got before. <laughs> and they do actually say, he, he says, oh, I've saved 90 white people, but there are 100,000, 10,000 natives. Yeah, Robert Conway, and this is the
0: same as in the book... Um, is less of a, a racist for these yeah. colonial times, <laughs> yeah. thankfully. A lot less of one, yeah. uh, which is good for the hero. But, but there's still a, um, a mentality that kind of pervades the backgrounds and stories, Yes, yeah. It's because of the times, unfortunately. And I, I do wonder if China... I wonder if it's moved to China for political reasons because this was in the run-up to World War Two, mm. And, of course, the Sino-Japanese War for the Japanese World War II kind of started several years earlier and the Chinese when they yeah. went to war with that
1: well there was fam- famously a uh, an altered version released in 19, like 1941 or something yeah they changed the title to Lost Horizon of Shangri-La Because of a reference that the US president made at the time to Shangri-La. Just a passing reference, but they thought they could re-release the film.
0: Yeah, Shangri-La was invented by James Hilton. Yes, It's become a phrase like Xanadu or Utopia. Yeah. It's got a wider meaning now. Mm. People who don't know, who have heard of Shangri-La but don't know Lost Horizon will still use it.
1: I think there's probably a lot of people who think it's a genuine myth.
0: Oh, there are. Yeah, definitely. And Michael Woods did a really interesting programme about searching for Shangri-La, and it was actually really good. Or oh, was it Sh- uh, Shangri-La? There is a place in Tibet called Shambhala. Or, well, no, a right. mythical place yeah. called Shambhala. And I think someone said that Shangri-La may be based on that. I'm not sure, I think...
1: Well, apparently there was some there was some famous articles in National Geographic, National Geographic, just uh, which might have inspired James Hilton to write. Yeah, this, yeah I think that's likely. That's
0: very Tintinish, actually, which is quite interesting because yeah. Georges Remy Herge, he was a lifelong subscriber to National Geographic and got a lot of inspiration for Tintin's adventures. Mm. Anyway, uh, I mean, uh, the first time I heard of Shangri La mm. uh, was uh, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of an Electric Light Orchestra fan, and they've they I don't know what year it was. 1976 A New World Record my favourite album of theirs oh. and one of my favourite songs on that favourite album is Shangri-La do you know the
1: song? I no. bet you do I, I, I love one of the songs off that album I really it's quite ballady yeah. it's I, funny because they did Xanadu as well didn't they? oh that's true yes <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that. with um, Olivia Newton John yeah, yeah. Neutron Bombs, uh,
0: <laughs> or Olivia Newton a friend of mine at school used to <laughs> uh, call her or her. actually his dad did anyway yes,
1: yeah so Robert Conway is, is getting these Westerners in way for this revolution by trying to get as many planes as possible it's almost like the D-Day landing you know they're getting yeah, as many a- well, it's Dunkirk yeah Dunkirk yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's slowly getting r- getting rid of people and there's a moment where in order to provide the planes with a signal of where to land he sets fire to a barn Apparently, this isn't in the book, but no. this is something Frank Capra came up with as a way of demonstrating his leadership oh, capabilities. Right, yes, he comes yeah. up with this idea, he takes control, saves the dog. Yes. <laughs> burns his. I did
0: think. Um it wasn't a very thorough search of the barn before he set fire to no, it. He no. just got rid of the people he could see and the dog. He also had a couple of rats in his pockets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: um, yeah, so then the last group yeah. of them make it out.
1: Yeah, is it the last group, one of them is his younger brother, George Conway.
0: Yeah, um, this is different. Up until halfway through the film, I'll talk about the book. After that, I can't remember anything. Right. But the characters are different, and I think that's quite interesting. So the... The characters on the plane in the film are Robert Conway, Lovett, who's a paleontologist. Yeah. Is he British in the film? Uh, He says he's going to be a knight when he gets back to London, I think. So I guess he is. He
1: doesn't particularly have a British accent, but he's got that sort of fussiness. Yeah. He's an American
0: actor. Edward Everett Horton. Yeah. There's a famous comedian who we kind of grew up with in the 70s who... This was his favourite actor. (laughs) And... um, His real name was Morris Cole, but he changed his name because of this famous actor. Can you guess who it is? No. Uh, Kenny Everett. Really? Yes. (laughs) Kenny Everett's favourite actor was Edward Everett Horton. Blimey. (laughs) You might not... Looking at Lost Horizon... Yeah. um, Horton was quite a famous actor. Mm. But he was particularly famous for this kind of double take, (laughs) where he'd sort of nod confidently at something and then do a double take. And he does that throughout this film, always.
1: Funny, I thought all the way through he's doing quite a bit of Stan Laurel. I, I thought. thought Stan Laurel. That's yeah. partly because of his hat.
0: He does wear a bowler hat. <laughs>
1: well, he does. <laughs> yeah, you're and right.
0: Then he, and he does a lot of double takes and looks. And there's a there's a really funny bit where he's trying to work out the east and west and he's working out on his fingers. What do yes. You yes, yes. Uh, but that's really Stan Laurel. The sort of confidently nodding and then going turning around and trying to work it out and yeah, you can't do yeah. it. But Horton had his own... He had his own dictionary of stock phrases if you like that he was famous for and you see them all in this film ha! there's a bit later in the film where he's scared by his own reflection in a mirror yes. <laughs> that was totally his creation
1: yeah apparently um, Frank Capra did allow a bit of um, improvisation yeah he liked improvisation didn't yeah.
0: he? Um, so anyway back to the plane so we've got Conway and his brother George Conway yeah George Conway is uh, he's not in the book but there's a character called Mallinson in the book <laughs> who's I think a kind of a diplomatic assistant to Conway or something, right. and they're kind of mirror images of each other. Right? Yeah. There's Barnard. Yeah. The American like businessman. Businessman. <laughs> he is a direct character right. from the book, and then the other one is Gloria.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, who's? Uh, I saw her described as something I read as a prostitute. I didn't yeah, get I was that gonna from the ask film. You that
1: because in one of the extras on the DVD. There's a, a deleted scene, and the commentator on the deleted scene calls her a prostitute. Oh, really? When he said that, I, thought, I read what? it somewhere
0: completely def- separate from the DVD. So, mm. although that could have been the source, yeah, well, I like,
1: wondered if she was referred to that in the script, for instance. Yes, I just thought she was like a good time girl. Yeah, which I thought too many. I mean, good she's times. like an actress. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, but she's. Or, or maybe just a rich, mm. spoilt yeah. um, person. But um, anyways, I, I, certainly from the film, I didn't think... No.
1: Prostitute! <laughs> no, I think you need a bit more um, of a, a reason to accuse her of being a prostitute. Yeah. But she, she's... Even though she's quite a minor character, she's one of the ones who's the biggest barometer of change from the beginning to the end. Because when we see her, she's extremely cynical... She also thinks she's going to die. She's she's got um,
0: a terminal illness,
1: yeah, or believes she has, yeah. Uh, and also, she's heavily made up. Well, of course, you wouldn't be able to tell. But and later we see her without makeup, which yes. is quite and it's you know a physical transformation.
0: But she does once we're at Shangri-La, she kind of disappears. She yeah. doesn't play any active role. She's as you say, she's a barometer for the change. But yeah. that's about it. No, it is. Yeah, mine. I think the bigger branch of change is love it actually because he's really suspicious yes. yeah. <laughs> and he comes around eventually yeah, and gets yeah. quite into it in fact yeah he wants to teach geology doesn't he so yeah. he wants to actually get involved but we don't see any ambition from uh, gloria no you're right um she's just probably happy to be well yeah. but in the book there's a female character oh, right uh, miss brinklow <laughs> but she's a, a sort of old uh uptight missionary Christian mi- missionary, missionary. Oh, right. it's a very different character yeah. so they're not really um, right. anal- analogous apart from being female being female <laughs> that's it yeah so there's only four characters in the book yeah anyway so that's the that's who sets off on this plane
1: although before they set off we mm. see the pilot being well he disappears yeah and then you see a, out, knocked and thrown out yeah you yeah. see a silhouette rise yeah. up putting
0: the hat on and yeah. and off they go you know, this reminds me of Indiana Jones. Just <laughs> so <to> have <say> that. <laughs> I really just thought of that. But yeah. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Yeah.
1: that starts in China. They go off on a plane, and there the Which pilot turns out to be working for y- yeah, Chang. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some Chinese. And they fly over uh, snowy mountains. I yeah. mean, some of this would obviously. Happen. They're going towards India. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: It turns out they have been kidnapped. The they knock on the pilot's window. Yeah, and he um, undoes the blind and points a pistol at them. Yes, because they can't. They can't get an answer from him, so when he raps on the window and they see the pistol, they realise... No, hang on. Before that, they realise they sus- they're suspicious because they're going the wrong yes. way. Yes. They're going uh, the wrong yeah, direction.
1: Barnard realises... I think it's Barnard, isn't it? Realises they're flying east instead of west, or is it west instead of east?
0: Um, well, it must be east, uh, west instead of east, because they're going towards India. Right. Never eat shredded wheat. <laughs> yeah, they're going west. <laughs> Um, but there is, there is a, a little bit of kindness shown by the pilot because uh, Gloria, quite a dramatic moment, loses it and yeah. tries to get out of the plane. Yeah. Um, but she's suffering from a lack of oxygen and the pilot throws yeah. a noc- um, some oxygen to her, yeah, I mean, showing that there's um, some compassion there.
1: Presumably he, he is, I mean it's later more than implied, that he is an agent of Shangri-La. Yeah. sent to, to capture uh, or kidnap Robert Conway mm. but it's all benevolent you know they basically want him there
0: I mean to me this is one of the inconsistencies of Shangri-La because they kidnap them at the point yeah. of a gun <laughs> and I, th- I don't think that fits in with the philosophy that we later learn
1: yes and I,
0: I, I really don't think that's a strong enough case to get Conway there yeah they really want him I mean, it turns out that uh, Sandra, one of the characters in the film, has read all his books and thinks that he'd be ideal. Yeah. So they kidnap him with the point of a gun <laughs> to get him there. And that is a. I think that's a bit of a weakness.
1: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> especially dragging three innocent, uh, four innocent bystanders along as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say there's a couple of character points that occur mm, while yeah. in. One is a uh, um, simple thing: is that Robert Conway is excited by the idea that he doesn't know where they're going. Yes. Whereas his, his brother is quite nervous. Yeah. And also there's the thing about... Um, this is actually a deleted a scene that was deleted. Yeah. Uh, the, the DVD you can get at
0: the moment is a restored version and mm-hmm. they've
1: put in... They've
0: got as much as they could found. So some of the scenes are, are quite old. And, yeah. And yeah, I was going to talk about this scene. It mm-hmm. um, suddenly goes all crackly and yeah. dim.
1: I mean, partly this... It was removed from the... World War Two release version because it's a bit it's quite obviously a pacifist. um, I wasn't
0: sure if it was because he was because he's also drunk in that scene. Yeah. So when I saw it, I thought, is that because he's drunk or because he's giving a pacifist speech?
1: Yeah, I think the idea is that being drunk allows him to say what he yeah. really feels because yeah, yeah. he says that if he had his way as foreign foreign secretary first he says oh i'd get rid of all get rid of the army oh yeah get rid of the <laughs> army sink all the battleships yeah. and then you know invade i don't it's not if invaders a came argument. along yeah.
0: they'd be so sort of surprised that they think well what's the point in attacking with guns yeah. and they they'd stop yeah which yeah. isn't convincing. I don't <laughs> it's know about not, you. It's not of course, he was drunk. <laughs> yeah,
1: but then he says, But I wouldn't have the courage to do that.
0: There's also the point is that even if that may not be practical and he may not do it in reality, which is probable, of course, yeah. he hasn't got the courage, It's it shows his philosophy. Yes. Um, he's tired of the conflict. I mean, mm. remember, this film was made um, in the run up to World War II. Um, even when James Hilton wrote the novel, I think Adolf Hitler was. Yes. Chancellor yeah. then or just made Chancellor or something and of course World War I, World War I was yeah. very much in living memory but mm. well, 1987 6 when it was filmed we were very much uh, rumblings in Europe I think yeah um, so yeah to have that kind of philosophy would certainly have been a minority opinion I would um, yes. certainly amongst government officials yes stand <laughs> standout scene for me, is the refuelling. Yeah. It's just, that's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Very well done. It's a little little vignette in itself. Yeah. Um, a masterpiece in itself, I mean.
1: you can't tell from that scene whether things are good or bad. You no. know, you're thinking, what's going on here? They're refuelling us, which yeah. is sort of good because they're being cared for and it shows that they've got a, a destination in mind, but also there's these foreign faces looking in at the windows and everyone's yeah. a bit you know we can't get out they're not letting us get out of the plane it's yeah. really well done though I mean, mm. I mean
0: you've got an actual plane of course yeah landing and taking off and then the tribesmen uh, circle the plane in horses and there's camels and there's dust and they they use their knives to break open the the petrol the, yeah the gasoline cans and yeah. pour it in and they're at the windows nice. staring at them uh, it's brilliant, really good, and it all happens really quickly, and then they're off again.
1: And of course, in terms of the adventure films we've been talking about, this represents that period where they're going over seas or deserts. Yes. You know, they're going over mountains here. It's off of the desert. map. It's yeah. off the map. Yeah. And in fact, there's a scene they they find a map. When they finally land, they basically crash land, and the pilot dies. Mm. And Robert and George Conway get into the cockpit. Yeah. And they find a map in the uh, the pilot's um, coat coat. Yeah. yeah and they actually say oh this is where we are here's where civilization ends we must be a thousand miles beyond it so it's yeah. that point of being off the map again yes
0: yeah <laughs> and they're in total deep snow mm. barren mountainous landscape in the middle of nowhere
1: and uh, Robert Conway says don't tell everyone else on the plane because yeah. they'll just panic yeah and of course as soon as they get into the plane George Conway panics and says <laughs> we're gonna die <laughs> Yeah, that's um, his um typical younger brother. Yes. <laughs> did you think
0: he looked a bit like a young Humphrey Bogart? No. Oh, I did. <laughs> so there. Um, yeah, just trying to tenuous link with our other films.
1: Apparently, the actor who played George Conway didn't really like his role in this because oh. he was such a you know he was the one who was always complaining and panicking and you yeah,
0: know, yeah. But really, that makes the film a lot more interesting having that character. Mm. In the book, it's the Mallinson the mm. character. Um in this one they're brothers, but yeah, he's the only one who never changes into the Chinese traditional dress. He's always in his suit. Oh yes, yeah. Um I think he's always in it. Um and he just wants to leave. He doesn't believe any of the things he's told about Shangri La. Yeah. Anyway, we'll yeah. come to that. Oh, there's one thing I was gonna say, I'm not sure if I referred to this in, in previous discussions, but I always thought the music was by Max another Max Steiner film. Yeah. Because um, we've had Max Steiner did King Kong, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and he did She, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I thought he did Lost Horizon as well. But actually, he was the musical director for Lost Horizon. Oh, right. But the original music was by uh, Dimitri Tsiomkin, yeah. yes, a Russian yeah. composer. And I think he was nominated... Yeah, the music was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. It was nominated for a load of Oscars. It, it was nominated for Best Assistant Director... Best Music, Best Sound, and Best Outstanding Production, which was, that's what the Best Film was called. Oh, Best Picture, yeah. 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 And it won Best Art Direction um, and Best Film Editing. Mm. Owen Chang was nominated for Best Supporting Actor as well. (laughs) Really? Yeah.
1: Actually, an interesting thing about the music, Dmitry Chomkin this was his breakthrough film, ah, and which, right. of course, that happened with Lawrence of Arabia and Maurice Jarre as well. Oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah.
0: It's interesting the connection. I find the music musical connections between them, it's really <laughs> interesting because we've had well, seven. This is our seventh film. And I think we've only had well, we've had three composers basically. Haven't we? We've had Max Steiner's done two, Maurice Jarre's done two, and then we've got Time Bandits and Hidden Fortress, yeah. uh, individual ones. But this one has got a Max Steiner link mm. anyway. Um, funny enough, it was the nomination for best music it didn't go to Dimitri in oh, yeah. it went to the head of the of sound at Columbia Pictures, I think. It was a nomination, not a win, but still, right, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he made a brilliant decision to hire Dimitri. <laughs> <laughs> See
2: that spot Yes.
0: That's where we were this morning.
2: He had it marked. Right on the border of Tibet. Here's where civilization ends. We must be a thousand miles beyond it. Just a blank on the map. What does it mean? means we're an unexplored country, a country nobody ever
0: reached. In the film, the pilot's dead straight away. Yeah. In the book, he survives for a bit and oh. tells them there's a lamasery that they could get to, and then he dies. Oh, right. Whereas in the film, I think I think Robert Conway has just decided he's going to go off. Yeah. Which is probably, I think some of them realise that. That's.
1: that's when George Conway says he's... Oh, actually, I don't know if it's him. No, it's late, it's, it's I think Gloria, later, isn't it? Yeah, says, yeah, he says, we know he's not coming. Yeah, back, he'll never is, come back.
0: Um, but a line of porters yes. is seen <laughs> approaching the plane. And it's Chang. Yes. And some people from Shangri La. Yeah. And the, one of the first things he does is ask about the pilot. Yes. Which kind of shows that I mean, it's there's, a, his, there's yeah, a connection. Yeah.
1: Maybe one of his men.
0: Yeah. Which we learn later, I think, is true. Yeah, Chang is is played by H B Warner.
1: Not one of the Warner Brothers. Uh, No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he. um, I didn't realise this. uh, But he played. It's obvious now. Now I know. I know. (laughs) But he played the drunken. um, The druggist in It's a Wonderful Life. The one who makes the mistake. And. um, I've forgotten the It's a Wonderful Life. The main character's name. Is it George? I think it might be George. I don't know it that well. Um, He tells him that he's given the wrong medicine and. He's a drunk and he hits him. I think, and oh, uh, so, really yeah. one that he's that's one of the best characters in that film. I think really um. really well done scene. So anyway, that's the same. The, all the main. I mean, this is a Chinese Chang's supposed to be Chinese, of yes, course. Yeah. He's played by a Westerner. Yeah, the head of Shangri La, the High Lama, is not uh, a Tibetan or a Chinese. He's he's, he's a Belgian. Yeah, uh, So not in the book. He's from Luxembourg. Yeah. I wonder why they changed that. So.
1: Maybe they didn't think. American, but people wouldn't don't know what Luxembourg is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> yeah, about the casting, um apparently a lot of the Frank Capra knew already who he wanted for a lot of the parts. But yeah. uh, certainly the high llama
0: Sam were, Jaffe.
1: Yeah, Sam Jaffe the studio didn't like his performance and they filmed it freaks it. me out slightly actually yeah it is a bit weird <laughs> but he is supposed to be you know 300 years old yeah it? and
0: I think he's supposed to be blind as well in the book he yeah. is because it's those staring eyes
1: that yeah. I think oh god blink <laughs> but they actually refilmed his parts with another actor oh. um, who was a bit more it seems like a bit more of a father christmas take on it he was a bit fatter and jollier <laughs> oh, oh right which I don't think would have ho, worked ho ho
0: ho welcome to Shangri-La
1: but one, one thing I thought was interesting to me. Yeah. Was one of the actors they considered was Fritz Leiber. I was going to say, did you did you yeah. see that bit? Yeah. Who's actually the father of yeah. the author, Fritz Leiber. Yeah. he was a Shakespearean actor. It was Fritz Leiber. They called him Fritz Lieber in the commentaries, but. Oh, is it? Like- Fritz, Fritz Leiber Jr., the author, makes a point of saying that it's Leiber. Ah, oh, good.
0: <laughs> well, he he would know. Yeah. Fritz Leiber was in a Charlie Chaplin film,
1: I think. Oh. Which, so I've forgotten this. I think
0: he plays. Um, oh, God, I can't remember. I think he might be in Monsieur Verdu. I think he plays a priest in Monsieur yes, Verdoux. I think yeah, or something yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. um, so they get taken back to Shangri-La yes I mean this is the adventure stuff for me yeah the, uh, it's all very exciting the, the, the plane escape up in the air where are they going yeah. A crash and then climbing through the mountains it's really tough and going to this impossible place. Yeah. This is the bit that I think, exciting adventure. <laughs> um, and
1: it's almost like an island. I mean, it's got its own yes. climate. Yeah, yeah.
0: The great tradition of Lost World stories. Yeah. This fits in very nicely. <laughs> and it's a, perhaps a bit of a late one, 1930s. It was still, still mm. kind of... I mean, Lost World films had gone through... Sorry, Lost World stories had gone through kind of the romantic adventure stage with Ryder Haggard and yeah. Jules Verne type stuff and they'd become I think in the 20s a bit more pulpy
1: Edgar Rice yeah.
0: being uh, quite a strong proponent of them and by the 30s they were starting to die out because by then the earth was not so mysterious you could, I mean yeah. that's one of the exciting things actually is by the 30s international air travel was a reality mm. so there weren't that many lost places <laughs> although this uses an aeroplane as the method of conveyance to, yeah. say, o- almost to the lost world, and and it wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have it without the aeroplane. Yeah, it wouldn't be as convenient, almost not convenient, but yeah. as easy. Anyway. They certainly
1: couldn't be dragged um, by porters for five hundred miles. There, no, It'd be a very different story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there'd have to be something I mean, I'm sure it could be done. Of course, yeah. it could. But, um, but anyway, th- that's. The point about the Lost World story was kind of dying down in the 30s and 40s yes. to some degree. I mean, it's never died out. There's always a, yeah, there's always a way to do it. I mean, I'm I'm doing one. Yeah, Rainbow, the Rainbow Orchid, because I love Lost World stories. Is that and in fact, watching Lost Horizon again, I thought, oh my god, Rainbow is really similar <laughs> to, Lost, to Lost Horizon. But but I th- I thought one of my main influences was Alan Quartermain mm. and Rainer Haggard. And actually, I think I've taken more than I thought, taken, uh, inspire, inspired <laughs> by, um, from Lost Horizon. Mm. Um, well,
1: isn't, I mean, Rainbow Orchid is set in the 1920s.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The other way to do it is to go back, set it back in time yeah. when you knew less about the world. Yeah. To do it now, when we've got Google Earth, anyone can have a good old look over Tibet yeah. and see what's there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fact, after the Michael Wood series where he was looking for Shambhala yeah. and I think he might have called it Shangri-La or Shambhala in the series, I can't remember now, it was a while ago I actually looked up where he'd been on Google Earth to oh, see, right. and you can see, I mean these places that were no man had you know, no white man had been to no <laughs> yeah. westerner, that were unknown that were off the map, that were impossible to get to you can open up Google Earth now and <laughs> and look, and there's this huge desert, uh, there's just a complete plain and yeah. there's a there's a Golden blue <laughs> such thing lake in the middle of it, and there 's a single mountain and yeah. i mean it 's lost world stuff, but it 's accessible to everyone from there yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty amazing, but the, yeah, this so Shangri La exists in a valley completely surrounded by mountains that protect mm. it from the harsh weather yeah and it's, so it 's got a an, uh, climate, and there 's only one entrance and exit this tiny little high place, and that is beautifully shot, mm. and that I find that particular aspect of it really gets the imagination going where they walk through
1: yeah i mean there's a
0: bit where they're leaving and you're looking out through the hole Mm. and there's the sort of wooden i don't know if it's a rope bridge or something out into the mountain but you can see below them the top of a mountain it shows how high up they are yeah and that's just the environment of these places i think is really exciting these sort of impossible places yes uh, but they exist (laughs) yeah But anyway, they look down into the... And there's this beautiful valley. Mm. The 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 valley of the blue moon, it's called, yeah? Yeah, that's
1: right. Of course, as well as being isolated, it's isolated from the outside, but also inside, they've got no means of communication. One of the things they discover, they say, oh, now we're safe, we can radio London and tell them where (laughs) we are. Oh, actually, you know, the only way of getting a message out is from this tribe of porters, and we've been expecting a visit from them for about two years yes. they, should come up. <laughs> they should come soon
0: I think uh, a famous review said it's a brilliant film but because someone explained to me how they got a grand piano up there
1: <laughs> and no. I thought
0: there is an answer to that yeah. because a piano can come in pieces and can be assembled Yeah, I mean people took grand pianos into Afghanistan through the Khyber Pass really? but, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for, but, but yeah although you would think is it worth
1: it yes <laughs> but of course this is quite different from all the other adventures that we've Covered, where yeah. people go into a place of peril yeah. and try and get something of value, and then escape with it. Mm. whereas here they're going into a place which is the opposite of peril. Yeah, you know, it's the whole idea of Shangri-La is it's a peaceful, quite wonderful place, but the people bring their own peril with them. Yes, it's almost like the peace of the place brings out the the worst in each character. Right, and they have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like love it, lovey. <laughs> <laughs> yes gets quite paranoid he yeah. thinks you know no I mean, one you know everyone's going to kill me yeah um i can't remember what uh, i mean gloria by this point is just sunk in depression anyway <laughs> yes yeah um barnard i can't remember what his reaction is um he's
0: quite he's quite optimistic and of course we learned that he um he, yeah was his business he was a oh, what's the word a, well, some financial...
1: Entrepreneur. It was something to Bryant Utilities was his company.
0: Yeah, and uh, in the crash... Yes. He lost loads of people's money, investors' money, and so he's wanted by the police, actually. Yeah. So he's kind of happy to be there. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Um,
1: But actually, his negative reaction, as it were, is when he discovers the gold in Shangri-La and he immediately focuses on that.
0: Although it doesn't last, does it? No. It doesn't develop, because the Shangri-La's piece and... Um, community takes over and he ends yeah. up wanting to build a sewers yeah. or a running water system for them
1: because he, st- he started off as a plumber I think he said oh, that's right. and, yeah, he and also Lovett started off as a teacher retired yeah. and became a paleontologist yeah. so it's almost like both of them go back to their things their first that were love originally yeah, type they were in, thing. Yeah. and of course it's interesting that we do get the mention of gold because that's another thing that's been in every film. Yeah. I mean, here it's only we get a glimpse of it.
0: Yes, and it wasn't. It wasn't the impetus. Yeah, of something discovered once there. But but these lost places have them in abundance. Yeah, type of thing.
1: Well, it's a sort of fairy tale element, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's got. It's like there is a treasure there. It's at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah, the treasure there is really the piece that you you find there. But it's almost like it's got to have like a concrete. Yeah. Symbol to it as well. Uh, that's right? a yeah. very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah the concrete um, symbol of it. Um, and I think, again, you say once the actual sort of main part of the story in Shangri La is quite peaceful, mm. I think this kind of follows the tradition of, of all these, I mean, not necessarily Lost World stories, but they started out with. I think the origin of Lost World story, well, there's, I think there's several origins that come together, but one of the stronger ones is typified by Thomas More's Utopia yes. and probably earlier than that uh, Plato talking about um, I was going to say Afghanistan Atlantis <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you began with A um, <laughs> definitely not Afghanistan um, Atlantis Yes, um, yeah. and it's a place that you make up so you can talk about society either satirise your own society
1: yeah.
0: or, or present an alternative system and its possibilities and or flaws yeah. so which is like Utopia blazing world by yeah margaret cavendish and um atlantis i think was was a was a a parable um, a a satire wasn't it of some kind to to sort of point out the flaws so you don't you take it away from your own society so you're not criticizing anyone in particular yeah but the other way is to present a utopia yes and i think that's what james hilton might be doing here is 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 he's it's a it's a state of mind more than a a place, and he's yes. he's getting ideas across. Yeah. So he's using this framing device of the lost world, the travelling to this place, uh, and I, those are the bits I'm more interested in the adventure bits. Yeah, <laughs> I mean obviously Shangri La, the sort of discovery of the place is is good. It's like it's like Alan Quatermain where they discover. Zuvendis, ah Zuvendis <laughs> in Alan Quatermain, you know the exciting bits of adventure getting there, yeah, once they're there, it's then the excitement is the discovery of this new community, yes, yeah, um, and how it works and what they do, and you know, and then there may be quite often the people who, as you say, the people who arrive bring yeah the peril with them, yeah, um like I think in Alan Quatermain. It's a long time since I read it, but I think one of the, it's ruled by two queens, and one of them falls in love with. Um, it can't. It can't be called Must. I uh, can't remember who, who the characters are. Henry, Good or someone yeah. might be getting mixed up with um, <laughs> with King um, Solomon's Mines. Huh? Or is he in both? <laughs> I'm I asking. Know. I'm asking the wrong person. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Or there's peril there anyway. Yeah. Like like King Solomon's Mines, where there's a. I think I think says right. There's a king, and he's. Yeah, who's ruling over his people with a iron yes. fist anyway? I hope we I got that right. Yeah, <laughs> but the, this is the great tradition of the Lost World type thing. I think I think that's why it sits in this yes, yeah, or well, the utopian yeah, yeah. yeah thing anyway. Yeah, if not Lost World, but
1: I mean the Chang does explain to Robert Conway the the philosophy behind the place, which is Mo- moderation. Moderation, yeah. <laughs> and one, the, there, there was a bit a dodgy bit. Um, I don't know if you noticed this he's talking about how the place you know um, we believe in moderation in everything you know yeah. and we believe in being moderately strict and so on moderately it's, celibate yeah <laughs> there's no crime and then there's this dodgy bit where Robert says well what happens about you know are there any scruples over women yeah and what happens if a man wants a woman that another man already has and I'm thinking
0: well, what about the woman <laughs> you know they don't <laughs> actually, I mean
1: obviously I don't know if Robert Conway is just testing Chang's philosophy yeah or whether that's supposed to be meant as an actual example. But surely the answer there is, well, it's the woman's decision. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think they say, well, what would happen?
0: Well, the man would give up the woman. Yes. But what if that man wants her as well? I think it's about being kind and be polite. I yeah. think in the book it mentions um, it would be good manners. What if the woman doesn't want to go and mm. the other guy really wants her? it would be good manners for the girl to go with the other yeah. man. <laughs> so that's even more... I don't think that's said in the film. It's yeah. even more dodgy. <laughs> yeah, it is obviously... Um, it's a bit out of time, this film, as we have already said, with the the way the Westerners dominate. I mean, the yeah. other main character they meet... So once, once we first see her as they enter Shangri-La... Conway looks up onto a balcony and sees Sandra, yeah. who's the other main character, really, and she's a uh, Western. Yeah,
1: girl. yeah. And Raised in Shangri La, pretty much. She, she arrived with some. Her parents were explorers or something. Yeah,
0: her mother died yeah. en route, and her father died not long after they got there, or something. Yeah, or the other, yeah something like that. So when she was a baby, so yeah. she's grown up there. And it turns out she's read Robert Conway's books yeah. and thought, and she's a great admirer of him. So basically, she's kidnapped him for herself. <laughs> but her excuse is that he, she thinks, oh, he'd love Shang-La. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get him here.
1: She, she has read his books, but seen through to the man behind the words. She right. said, I can't remember. She, said, I saw a man whose life was empty. Right, but obviously she saw he had potential as well.
0: Yeah,
1: I think Conway is a well-drawn character in
0: this actually because yeah. he is—he's quite ambivalent about. I mean, when they're escaping from China he's a man of action and doing stuff yeah but uh, you get the feeling
1: you know he's doing it for other people not yeah. for himself and he's sort of playing by the world's rules but knows that that's not him yeah exactly, he feels yeah, that yeah. he'd like to do it a completely different way but yeah. sort of practicalities mean so oh, I've got to do it this way <laughs> the
0: design of Shangri-La I think is fantastic and, it, and that's that's one of the things of, when I first watched Lost Horizon I didn't take the story the first time mm. I, I quite enjoyed it the film mm. this is but the one thing that I thought was amazing was the set design, mm. and I think that's just beautiful. I mean, it is very Art Deco, yes. And this is a 1930s <laughs> film, and this fits right in with that, which makes it a bit incongruous with yeah. the fact that it's a several hundred year old um, Tibetan monastery, yeah, monastery yes. built yes. by a Belgian. But it, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that forgive them that. Um, yeah, especially the main hall with all the steps going up mm. and the shiny floor. I just think. I think that's beautiful. Yes. I mean, it's really amazingly done. And the outside of it as well. Mm. I and mean, really, I really do feel as though they're in a Garden of Eden type yes. place yeah. here. And it's hilarious, actually, later when S- Sandra, she's like Snow White. There's a squirrel that warns her <laughs> that Conway's coming. And then yeah. she's got these, um, oh, they're my pigeons. They're pigeons, which she's rather yeah. ludicrously attached Flutes to their tails, and there's deer. Yeah. But when she's teaching the class, there's the children, and then just sitting by the side is a deer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which reminds you very much of. So it was very Disney. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Although, actually, I mean, this reminded me, talking about the pigeons reminded me of a quote from something. which is funny because you said that Rainbow Orchid seems to have taken some stuff from Lost Horizon. Yeah. I think Lost Horizon has also taken something, something else that you've done as a comic. Oh, he's copied me! <laughs> <laughs> the Tempest. Oh, right, yes. Because when she talks about when there's the pigeons flying around with these flutes on their tails, create music, and that reminded me of that quote, um, The Isle is full of noises, sounds, and sweet airs. Oh, yes, yes. And that made me think, hang on, she's a bit like Miranda. Yeah. And then you've got the High Llama as Prospero. Brilliant
0: point. I'd never even thought Um, of that. Yeah. They've been brought across,
1: I mean, they've basically been shipwrecked. Yes. Airship wrecked. Yes. On this island. Yeah. And you've got the sort of comic low characters. I mean, you haven't. Really got a calibre, I suppose Robert Conway, George Conway, George could, Conway, he's could a bit be a sort of calibre. Uh, yes, or yeah. um, the woman Maria, Maria, yeah, you yeah, know. But I mean, that's stretching your point. I'm not saying it's a one no, no, one thing, no. but it does, it's got that same sort of feeling. Yeah, quite yeah. strong. I think it was very uh, legitimate. Yeah. yeah. Quite so, so Miranda on her island is <laughs> um she's you know she's one with one with nature and know. she's very innocent. Yeah. I mean, she was
0: born there in, in the tempest. She's taken as a very young child in fact, in fact a baby i think yeah. so yeah. so she's innocent of the world and yeah. and then a brave yeah. new world that has yeah. such people in it when yeah. these strangers <laughs> arrive um yes very yeah. good
2: by the way what religion do you follow here to put it simply i should say that our general belief was in uh, moderation we preach the virtue
1: of avoiding excesses of every kind even including excess of virtue itself well, that's intelligent. We find in the valley it makes for greater happiness among the natives. We rule with moderate strictness, and in return we are satisfied with moderate obedience. As a result, our people are moderately honest, uh, moderately uh, chaste, and uh, somewhat more than moderately happy. Yeah, that,
0: Sandra and Maria are not characters in, in the book. Oh, really? Um, there is a female character in the book, a Chinese princess right, who lives there. Uh, who's, who's kind of those two characters in one? I think oh. to some degree. Yeah, yeah. But but that's quite. I think that's probably one of the biggest departures yeah. that the films made.
1: Yeah, no, Maria is a strange character. I thought. Yeah, she's um, supposed to be a Russian. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, she's actually Mexican, Mexican. Yes, and that's what I thought she the was. actress, but then yeah, the but then on the commentary they call her Russian. So yeah, I like, guess okay, she's got to be Russian.
0: The character Maria is Russian. Yes. But so the yes. actress is Mexican. Yeah.
1: Uh, she has been there since 1888 yeah so she's obviously aged but preserved
0: so she'd be 65 or something yeah but but actually she's 20 or something
1: um, and she latches onto uh, George Conway yeah they and she basically wants to escape from shangri-la and is persuading George Conway behind the scenes uh, that Take her with him.
0: So I think in the book they fall in love. Right. Um, I don't remember. This is now into the bit that I haven't read this week. <clears throat> but in the film, George Conway doesn't seem. In- he's not interested in her. She's yeah um, totally fallen for him. Mm. But he's,
1: he's or she just, may be just he's using just, him. No, I don't.
0: No. Maybe if the, if mm. it's desperation, and in which case he's he's definitely using her. Yeah. But he's not. He definitely seems to.
1: So he's definitely been avoiding her at one point because she's posing yeah, for him. And he yeah, turned. yeah. But the the one thing I don't understand is why she wants to leave Shangri La. No, that's not really established. No, because um, she surely knows that she'll die. Maybe she just wants to get away. She might be someone with a dark part of her, which just I mean, there been is cured. there is the no.
0: question if you're offered immortality. Quite a lot of people say, I wouldn't want it. Yes. Living forever is hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, an eternity of hell. But yeah. And, and that's, I'm sure that's true for some people and, and other people would be very happy being alive for yes. you know, either a very extended time or forever. And uh, she may just be one of those people who's tired of life but still mm. 20 and, yeah. and wants to, you know... I mean, what's she doing? Spinning all day. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't
1: know. laughs> but I think... I mean, it'd be nice if there was some reason given or just some it yeah. just is not addressed. Should well of course
0: the original film was cut was 6 hours. Yeah. And then he got it down to 3 over 3 hours at the test screening. Mm.
1: Um
0: and that was too long of course. So it's obvi- I mean why, I don't know why he made yeah. it 6 hours to begin with and then even 3 hours <laughs> um for the 1930s that's that's quite something. But not not that it was unprecedented. So there could have been a lot yes, of right. stuff in there that was. If it's a film that's had to be cut down, yeah. and not made as a as a two hour hour and a half film. Yeah, if it was originally made as an hour and a half film, you'd think he you would get that in there in a more concise way. Yeah, but it may have just been lost, and yeah. that may be one of the results of it being cut. You lose stuff like that. because
1: yeah. there are. I mean, even in the the war, the World War Two version. Which was cut slightly. There are mm. scenes which were cut out, like between um, Robert Conway and Sandra, which are quite key to their story. Right. You know, their romantic story, and they're cut out of the uh, of one version. So the thing of the censors. They lot. don't care about a story.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, Charlie Chaplin made a film called A Woman of Paris in the twenties, 1923, I think. And like the state of Kansas, yeah, cut out all scenes of people smoking. <laughs> and people smoke a lot in that film Yeah. and you just think I mean I don't know what's left I don't. Know, there'd be about a 10 minute film or something <laughs> yeah, you, you know, there wouldn't be I don't know how you get the story some of the best scenes unfortunately have people smoking at the same time <laughs> uh, anyway yeah
1: <laughs> one, one statistic I remember from the commentary though is that Frank Capra filmed a million feet of film God. and the ratio of filmed to used is 93 to 1 <laughs>
0: and I guess it's I don't know if it's it's tempting to think if it's sitting out there somewhere in an attic but but this this the DVD you can buy now restored version Mm. I think one of the guys worked on it for 25 years yeah so if he hasn't found it yet yeah um, it's probably the best version we're going to get I'm not sure I'd actually want to watch a 6 hour or (laughs) even a 3 hour version of no you're right Lost Horizon Um, a lot of it's probably the philosophy side of it which I do find I'm not that interested in that aspect of it to be honest um, so, uh, back to the plot, um, Conway meets the High Lama, who turns yes. out to be this Belgian priest, we said that, he yeah. called Perrault, who first discovered the valley in 1713. And the long life isn't really explained apart from... I think he says, you know, we have an absence of struggle. Yeah. And so you're yeah, you know, you're so calm and peaceful that mm. you don't age as quickly. The stress... There's no stress. Yeah. Which, I guess, is fairly legitimate. Yeah. The way they show that is... Then he have to soar off his own leg? <laughs> that sounds funny, now I say it. <laughs> the, the priest, Chang, tells him yes. about Pero, who founded Shangri-La. Yeah. I think there was a monastery there already. Yeah. Founded Shangri-La, but he he got gangrene or something. Yeah. Off his leg. So when Conway meets him, he sees the telltale crutch yeah. by his side, <laughs> um, which appears... Yeah, it's not there at first then it appears in a later scene that was something to do with what you said the refilming of it yeah. and the cutting but um, so he discovers that, that he is that's his proof him. that
1: this is the same Father Pereira he's been told yeah. it's not really convincing And in fact later um, the,
0: the camera sort of goes down to his <laughs> lack of a leg as well which
1: you basically see his foot, and unless foot. you're prepared for it, you're thinking, yeah. The other one could be there. You <laughs> might be sitting on it, <laughs> you know, might be sitting cross-legged. But, yeah. <laughs> but
0: I, I found, this is where I thought, I mean, Shangri-La, I think, ooh, I quite, a lot of people would like to live there. Mm. I mean, everyone's got their kind of Shangri-La, as it were. <laughs> this is the ELO song. I love the ELO song very much a lot and it's about loss I think it's about a a girl leaving him and he says Uh my Shangri-La has gone away Uh but there's a beautiful uh, musical bit at the end where he says I will return
1: Uh Um,
0: and of course Conway has his promise he will return but the one bit that would make me not want to stay there might be the philosophy of Perrault, who is um, I thought he's a bit like a mad cult (laughs) leader. you know this is our way yeah, it's all lovely. It's all lovely, but if yeah. you stray too much, I wonder how lovely it would be. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same with all these utopias. Yeah, perfect if you play along with the system. But any any kind of outside that, if you don't fit in, quite often the punishments are severe. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, in fact, there's this essay by Isaiah Berlin, who's a political philosopher, which is quite good because it introduced me to an idea which I hadn't thought of before, which is the very idea of a utopia, even if it's a really good idea can itself lead to horrible things happening because you get the idea that the end justifies the means so that anything we can do to end up in a utopia where everyone will be happy Mm. we can do which means let's kill everyone who disagrees with us and then we'll all be happy it has to be that way
0: i mean i quite like the idea of communism i think it's got a lot of attractions but it doesn't work yeah i mean for a start people are human yes and power
1: yeah. It corrupts. <laughs> I
0: mean I I don't don't know if there's a leader. There probably yeah. are but, but they're they're the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Um I mean communism was an attempt at a utopia. Yeah. And it's got some good ideas, you know, working mm. together for the good of everyone. Yeah. But in reality right. it just can't work. And I think I think that's that's the same with all the utopian ideas and I think Shangri-La, there's this dark there's got to be this bubbling dark yeah.
1: Well, I read—I uh, think this is on Wikipedia—talking so, about the differences between the film and the book. Apparently, it's implied in the book that people who don't agree with Shangri-La are quietly bumped off. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Obviously, oh, you haven't got to. No, I didn't get to that. Or bit. It's, it's basically implied. Or you know, they're sort of sent out into the into the wilderness where they're going to die. I
0: know in Thomas More's Utopia, um, if if you commit quite a bad crime, then you become a slave. Yeah. Um,
1: well, it's like Plato, the original one, Plato's idea. He says, the only way we're going to make this work is if we tell people that there are three types of people, the gold, the silver, and the bronze. So, right. And the bronze... You know, what? if you're a bronze, you're a worker and you can never move out of that strata, you know. And at the top of the gold, we're born gold. You know, they're the thinkers, they're the philosophers. Right. Also, another thing Plato said is we're going to get rid of all the poets because they're the ones who will tell people, <laughs> who will make people realise that there are other...
0: Give them ambition and dreams. Yes, yeah. And so that's interesting that. because in, Utopi- in Utopia, again, there's the people who shine at school. Yeah. Who, they become the sort of philosophers and the learned ones. yeah and other people work although it's only a six hour day i think although people like their work so much that they want to but in their (laughs) in their spare time they're encouraged to learn yeah but still there's a sudden class divide Mm. there. and as soon as you got that i think you're going to have a bit of aggro (laughs)
1: yes yeah
0: so yeah um perot has got that slight aspect and of course there's the christian aspect to it as well so religion comes into it although i think Shangri-La is supposed to be a place where all religions can coexist. Yeah. And in the book, it's interesting because, of course, you've got the missionary character. And as soon as she gets there, she's interested in sending a missionary there, right. if not herself. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, I, haven't, I don't remember the second half of the book. I haven't read that bit recently, so I, don't, I can't remember what happens. But that was certainly... I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue listening to listen to her because i of them to find out what happens with her, actually. Yeah. What, what um...
1: Well, Father Perot's, Father Perot's <clears throat> idea is that the meek should inherit the earth. Mm. And the idea of Shangri-La is they're going to get all the beautiful things, the artistic things, and then keep it there. And he says, basically, all the the nasty people are going to wipe each other out and then we're going to come yes. out to the <laughs> end, which I don't think really would work. No, <laughs> no.
0: But it's fascinating, again, this idea of the utopia and... No, it won't. But, yeah. yeah, the the Christian ethic he talks about, and be kind is the one simple rule. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, I mean, Christianity is the same. It's that kind of, uh, you know, all, all the benevolence side of it, which is great. Yeah. But but <laughs> if you don't abide by those
1: rules, yeah. then you're cast into hell and yeah. you're burned forever. <laughs> or we've got the Inquisition, you know. <laughs> yeah, all those kind of things so um, but in a way the the form of the story where um, Robert Conway at the end of it leaves Shangri-La and is searching to get back into it yeah. is sort of aligns with the actual truth where you've got an ideal position where you want to be yeah but you can't quite get back to it. But you've always got the memory of, you know, oh, life could be wonderful. Yes. And you're always working towards it. Yeah. But you never actually attain it. I yes. I mean, that's the truth of it, isn't it? Yeah, really?
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good philosophy. Just do your best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what, what, what's the next sort of development in the film? I, I suppose it's George... Well, the characters change. We've talked about that yeah. already. Um,
1: Lovers and Barnard both find a place there and they realise yeah. that they want to stay.
0: Yes. But George Conway, the younger brother... Gets together with um, Maria. Yeah. And they do persuade Robert that it's all a sham.
1: And he says Father Perot is, you know, he was from 700, 1700s. Yeah. And then uh, George Conway says, did you see his birth certificate? <laughs> yeah. And in a way, it's a sort of a silly question. But then, I mean, that's, you think, yeah, well, actually, I didn't, you know. <laughs> Good point, yeah, yeah, uh, So it does seem like a sudden switch. But also, I mean, it is quite, I, I found it convincing enough. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I was just trying to think. I can't remember how they
1: well he says Maria well you would say that because you're you know if you leave you're, you were born in 1888 or you came in 1888 and she says no Chang tells everyone that I'm old yeah. Am I, do I look old yeah. she says and so that's another so, I mean you thing. said that
0: earlier why, why is she lying it's never yeah. it's not that's the less convincing bit
1: I mean but that's what convinces Conway. Robert Conway <clears throat> that she isn't lying and his
0: disappointment is is palpable you really yes. think no and you can see his face drop yeah, he's good in this, actually, isn't he? Yeah. Um, who, who is it, Ronald Coleman?
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah, they leave. I mean, the High Lama dies, and this is the other bit. He names Conway as his successor. Yeah. Which is quite a. You think Chang's probably going? What about me? <laughs> <laughs> or, although he's only, uh, he's not a full. There, there's supposed to be these llamas mm. This may, I think this must be in the book. Chang is a is is not a full llama yet. Right. And you never see them. Um, this just a la. Um, but uh, in the book, when he's called before the High Lama, that's a real rarity, you know, for them to actually even see him. So, so to be suddenly named as a successor is yeah. Is it's almost like oh, I mean, again, maybe I'm playing up the racial thing, but it's like. Chang can't be he's, a chi- he's Chinese <laughs> I need a Westerner of course you know, only Westerners were built to rule <laughs>
1: also I mean uh, Robert Conway keeps on saying that he, he felt as though he's been here before mm. and there is the idea of um, llamas are yeah. found because they're reincarnated yes and I wondered if they're hinting at that Robert Conway oh, yeah. sort of, I mean he's obviously not a reincarnation of Perot. I like that information. They
0: don't even allude to that in the film, really, but it does fit in with the Tibetan. He does say
1: that he feels as though he's been there before, and it could be just that it's because he feels as though it's his place. Well, I like that. I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) Also, if there's anything in the book that explains it better, so I'll let you know. (laughs) Also, of course, that's a link to the man who would be king, because Sean Connery starts saying, Have you ever. Being a place and you know you've been there before, and of course for him it's the opposite. He's got a delusion that he's a, a yeah. king or a god. Yes, but here Robert Conway has actually found his true home. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So the Dalai Lama dies, and during yeah. the funeral, which again I think is a beautiful scene with all the mm. torches are going through that, that hallway yeah. It's that hallway again. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but they leave George Conway, Robert Conway, and um, Maria. Maria. And yeah, um, yeah. I think if I was Robert Conway and I was convinced it was all a lie I think I might still want to stay there because it's really nice yeah <laughs> or
1: he'd go and see Sonia and say do you want to come <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah but I w- even if it wasn't true yeah you think well it's still,
1: it's still very nice here I mean, yeah it's got squirrels and deer <laughs> and,
0: and birds with flutes <laughs> but uh, yeah out they go back into the and there's a real you real, really feel the difference once you're yeah. back out in the wind and you've been in Shangri-La for a, for yeah. a while
1: and then suddenly, with these porters who are really oh, quite that's contemptuous right. the of them, them yeah. I mean, they even take shots at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just totally contemptuous of them. And uh, Maria, of course, at first she's all right, but then suddenly we see her completely transformed into an old woman. Yeah, back to her yeah. true age. And uh, George Conway, he commits suicide, yeah. which is is quite a, th- and that
0: didn't look as though it had been cut out at any point.
1: Mm. But
0: suicide is one of those subjects that yes, uh, you know, you're right. You, you tend not to. Yeah, especially American, yeah. film boards at the time, and even now I think it has to be quite well justified, but yeah. Yeah, if he goes down the mountain. I mean, he's a disturbed individual, George Conway. Yeah. It turns out yeah.
1: but even throughout there, you think, yeah, what are you so worried about? He's a bit frantic in his need to get away from Shangri-La. Almost though yeah. so you feel as though he doesn't want, he's not comfortable with himself. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it may be it may be not willful suicide, I guess, if it's looked on as madness. When you're out in the snow, snow-blindless, the woman... Yeah. Well, I don't think he was in love with her at all. I think he was using her. But let's say he was, and yeah. um, that could be another thing. Yeah. Going mad uh, is, is a, perhaps a more likely explanation.
1: But, of course, that leaves poor Robert Conway thinking, now I really want to get back to Shang-La. <laughs> I've been basically duped. It was stupid of me to leave anyway. Well, he carries on, though. Well, I wondered. Uh, th- yeah, I wondered if he was trying to get back to Shangri-La, I but he just didn't get that impression know. then. Oh,
0: right. But he he does make it to su- not civilization, but yeah, uh, a village. Yeah, he collapses by a Buddhist stupa. And, uh, this mm-hmm. has got nothing, uh, nothing to do with anything. But when he's found, I really thought it's like the Jawas in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, How oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> they all, suddenly, all these feet and these long robes. Yeah, <laughs> gather around him, <laughs> scuffling about.
1: And the rest of the story is dealt with. I mean, there's a bit of it it is basically summarised in London, where they talk about yeah. the long journey to. They find that Robert Conway has been found. They go and get him, and he's actually suffering from amnesia. He's completely forgotten about Shangala, mm. and on the way back, he remembers it. Some I can't remember if it's a piece of music and yeah. or if that's a deleted scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the book, this is how it starts, mm. which is another Lost World type of venturi thing, is the framing sequence, yes, yeah. where someone tells a story, and quite often then, someone will tell a story within that story.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but this is one where they're talking about, there's a, there was an incident in Afghanistan, or at Baskal, where the plane, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that, and then someone says, oh, I want to talk to you, do you remember that story? Well, I knew the guy. Conway, uh, he says, he's not gone missing. I found him in a Chinese um, nunnery, or whatever it's called. Um, um, And that's how it starts. Then he tells, over the course of an evening, he tells him Conway's story. Mm. Yeah, and he's taking him back by ship to London. And I think this was filmed for the film, but it was cut out. Mm. But the books, the story starts this way. And they're aboard a ship. He's got amnesia. And a, a famous pianist is on board. And he plays... Some Schubert or something, yeah. And then Conway, while everyone's around him because he's a celebrity, Conway sits down at the piano and plays. and The pianist hears it and says, What's that? Where'd you get that from? And he says, Oh, it's it's um, it's not it's not Schubert, I can't remember who it is, but let's, yeah. let's I'll say Schubert because it's the only one I can think of for now. <laughs> um, no, it is important because it's someone who died in, 18, in the 1840s, it begins with O. Ah, uh. um, I have to put this on the errata <laughs> yeah. anyway. He Conway says. No, it it's an unpublished piece. I learnt it from one of his students. And he said, yes. That's impossible. He died in eighteen forty three or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Conway's memory that clears the cobwebs and his memory comes back and of course he learned it from a student who was in Shangri-La. Yeah. Shangri La's like a uh, United Nations <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of people from there's Russians, British, yes. uh, all there. It's like it's like it's like an arc, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just before World War II <laughs> It's it's the it's the arc of Culture and humanity. Yes, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the framing. Yeah. And then Conway escapes from the ship because he got his memory back and he wants to get back. And that's how the film ends.
1: Yeah. He's super determined to get back. We hear sort of tales of how he's escaped five times after yes, being locked up. And- that's right.
0: And he does he does make it back. And the, we, the DVD's got two alternative yeah. endings. Where it's got the ending and an alternative ending one where he sees he looks up and he sees the entrance to Shangri-La that's Mm. the ending yeah and then there's an alternative ending where he looks up and there's Sandra waiting for him yeah which is awful (laughs) Glad they didn't show that one Um, amazing he makes it back though. but then he's Robert Conway yeah (laughs) yes there's a a line at the end given by the guy telling the story he says I want to I believe because I want to believe it yeah which is, of course, the whole basis of belief, really. It's the problem mm. with it. You, you, you quite often don't want facts to get in the way of a belief because it's, it's a comfortable belief. Yeah. Um, he th- says, let's hope we all find our Shangri-La. Yeah. Well, I the story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said we're getting out of here. Back to civilization. I've made a deal with the porters. They've brought in a load of books or something. They're leaving tomorrow at dawn. They're waiting for us five miles outside the valley. Come on, get your things together. Where's your top coat? You can't leave, George. Why not? What's going to stop me? You mustn't. You've got to stay here now. Stay here? What's the matter with you, Bob? You've been acting strangely ever since we came here. I've never seen you like this. Why can't we leave? What's stopping us? Something grand and beautiful, George. Something I've been searching for all my life. The answer to the confusion and bewilderment of a lifetime. I've found it, George, and I can't leave it. You mustn't either. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: just any other points about it really? I think I think we got quite a lot in there about the utopian aspect.
1: Yeah. It's a film which I thought I wouldn't enjoy as much as I did. But whenever I see it, I think yeah, I quite enjoyed it even though, you know, there's no conflict. But um, of course oh, there is. There you is. You enjoy yeah. it anyway. I mean I
0: think obviously the exciting bits are the journey bits and they're mm. very
1: well done. Mm.
0: And then Shangri-La's just quite a nice place to be yeah. in the film, but I, there are some like, I find Chang quite annoying.
1: Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. And also, <laughs> I
0: don't take to the High Lama at all. No, no. Um,
1: Basically, Sondra is the best character. Yeah, probably, she's, uh, she's lovely. Jungler.
0: And a uh, oh, little fact about her. She was played by Jane Wyatt. And I'm not much of a Trekkie, but we may have some Trekkies listening to this. She played Spock's human mother in the Star Trek series. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's good. Um, there's the Disneyfication... Yeah, with the squirrel. But why not? It's Shangri-La, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's quite fun, yeah. Um, But yeah, there are bits I'm watching, and I'm not quite convinced by certain aspects. But yeah. b- but the overall effect. I mean, as I say, the design of the film, mm. although a bit incongruous, perhaps um, not very realistic, mm. is beautiful. Yeah, um, and that's one of the films we will talk about in She as well later. One of the great things about that is mm. is the design of the yeah. the place. Itself is, is and that's quite obviously, that's another 1930s film, so that's very art deco as well, yeah. Um, and that's something I'm drawn to, yeah. So, but but the, the overall effect of the film is mm. is brilliant. And it was, I think, was it a hit for Columbia as I think it was one of the most expensive films they made, yeah. Um, but I think it, it did do well for them. And uh, Lost Horizon is a, a classic, yeah, it's one of those although it's a Lost World book, which is kind of looked at in the fantasy stroke science fiction pulp genre, so so perhaps a lower class of literature. Mm. I don't think that, but mm. you yeah. understand what I mean. Yeah. Whereas Lost Horizon is of that class, but it's a mainstream yes. novel. It's literature yeah. for a lot of people. It's it's not seen as definitely not pulp. And yeah. I don't think it's really seen as although it is fantasy it's one of those books that people don't recognise because it's mainstream Yeah, which is what you want all these things to be of course you just want people to say well just concentrate on the story and uh, genre fades away to some degree Mm. although it's useful but yeah yeah, overall brilliant film yes (laughs) yes and it's, if you do have the DVDs, I think it's worth... I haven't watched it for a while. You watched it recently, the commentary. Yeah. Very, it's very good, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is about the restoration, but I found it fascinating just about... Yeah. The, the mechanics of the uh, just restoring a film. Yeah.
0: There's, there's, there's... The only bit I remember from the commentary, um, and I wonder why, is the <laughs> bit where they're talking about... Sandra dies... There's a long shot of her dives into the pool, and she's totally naked, but it's a long shot, of course. Yeah. And it's a, It's not the actress. Um, it's a stunt woman. Jane Wyatt it's a yeah. stunt woman, but the I don't know who it was. The breen board or whoever was the you know, wanted assurances that she wasn't naked, that she had a body stocking on or something. Yeah, that she was covered. And they said, "Oh yes, yes, she was," but actually she wasn't. No, <laughs> um, but you can't tell me. It's, yeah. it's too far, <laughs> it's too, too far away. It's the only bit I remember from the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no, I've condemned myself. Oh, the other thing I was going to say was, again, in relation to she, it's interesting, Maria, mm. and in fact anyone, once you leave Shangri-La, you age. Because Aisha, of course, mm. in she, age once she steps twice into the fire of yeah. life, whatever it's called, and she ages. Yeah. And there's that aspect to Lost Horizon as well. Yes. Um, there's a, a book I read recently called Stones of Enchantment it's a volcano in africa yeah. and he goes into it and there's a community civilization in there and i think in that it's the radiation in the volcano or something that keeps gives you long life mm. so in there there's people from sort of someone there who's arrived there in the 1600s and mm-hmm. things i can't remember what year that was written it might be the, i think that i see the 30s it might be the 40s it might be the 50s so <laughs> um i can't tell but that's got echoes of it as well
1: well, all this sort of reminds me of tales of going to fairyland and coming back because there's also the amnes the period of amnesia, forgetting you've been there, and when you come away from fairyland, if you've got fairy gold, it turns to dead leaves. Oh, you know, yeah. um, you mentioned that in yeah, another the, of our. Uh, it was the man who would be king because yeah, right. that's a period where he says oh, I've been away for a thousand years you Yeah,
0: know? I feel as though we're, we're talking about these adventure ones. we're close to some core truth about it yeah. all <laughs> and, and the human condition and it's all there's somewhere it all unifies yeah. fairy stories, lost world, adventure there's some inner truth there <laughs> that speaks to everyone and that we all want to go on these adventures from the safety of our Yes. Uh, armchairs, yeah. but there's some there's some <laughs> truth there. Well, we've got we've got three more films to find out what that is. Yeah. So the next one we're doing is some small film called Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is our second film from 1981.
1: Have you seen that before? Uh, no, I thought I'd watch it for the first time.
0: <laughs> I've heard it's quite bad, but uh, I'll probably this this has had the most interest from people. Yeah, we've got quite a few... I've been looking at the stats on our website. Yeah. And I'm really uh, encouraged by the listeners. We (laughs) probably get, I'd say, on the day it comes out, I think we get most visitors to the website, and then it kind of drops down. So it tends to be sort of 150 unique visitors over a few days. Yeah. And let's say, hopefully, maybe half that... I hope that's not too many. Let's say a third are actually listening to the entire podcast. Yeah. So that's a fairly... Um and what's that gonna be? Just forty, let's say. Let's say about forty that's pretty good. Mm. I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. So I, I feel as though Razor of Stark we we might get a it's few a blip. more. Blip. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be people listening who are a lot more know a lot more about the film than we do. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is us doing it. So yeah. I'm looking forward to Razor of Stark anyway. Yeah. I and mean, it's probably the film I've seen the most.
1: Yes. Mm, actually Hidden Fortress. Oh really?
0: Maybe. Well, I'm a big fan of Kurosawa, as I said, uh, so I do wonder. That that may be close. Um, I think the most obscure film we've done so far is Lawrence of Arabia. Probably got the least interest. uh, But um, that's only going by the hits. You can't really tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, if you do have any comments about these films, please do leave a comment. Just say you like it or something you disagree with or... To, to contribute some facts uh, or thoughts would uh, be very welcome yes <laughs> thank you very much for listening and we shall see you hopefully sometime in the next couple of weeks for Raiders of the Lost Ark bye tell me something Gainsford what do you think of his talk about Shangri-La do you believe it
2: yes yes I believe it I believe it because I want to believe it. Gentlemen, I give you a toast. Here's my hope that Robert Conway will find his Shangri-La. Here's my hope that we all find our Shangri-La.